I'm excited uh, about uh, the message this morning. Uh, we're going to be uh, looking at one of the uh, greatest chapters ever written in the Bible over the next few weeks. We're going to be looking at the book of Romans chapter number eight. And this book was written by the Apostle Paul to Christians who were living in Rome. And so this chapter is so good. It starts with no condemnation and it ends with no separation. And so we're going to get right in and I know God is going to speak to us as we get into this chapter and we unpack what God wants to speak to us through Romans chapter 8. So let's get right in. Let me pray and then we'll get started. Father, we pray that you would anoint my lips and Lord, anoint the word of God today. I pray that your word would accomplish what it was set out to accomplish without any distractions or hindrances. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1 uh, out of the NASB. It says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We could pack up and leave just right there. Therefore there is now no condemnation. That means none, nada. That means zilch. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That should make you shout for joy. Amen? Let me read it to you in the Amplified Version. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, and it goes on to explain what that is, no guilty verdict, no punishment, for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. So what is Paul saying here? He's saying that those of us who are followers of Jesus, those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus, who identify with Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives, are no longer condemned for our sins. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And in order for us to truly understand why Paul made this statement, we have to know what Paul said leading up to verse 1 of chapter 8 because he's referring to what he just talked about previously leading up to chapter 8. And he's talking at the end of chapter 7 about his own personal struggle with sin. So let's read Romans 7, and I'm going to start uh, with verse number 15, and it says this, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Verse 19, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells, that dwells in me. Let's read it in the message translation. I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. 
So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyways. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. You ever feel like Paul here in this passage of Scripture? Some people think that in order to become a Christian and stay a Christian, you must be perfectly behaved. That's what some people believe about Christianity. That all the rules in our Bibles must be followed to a T if we're truly a believer. That's what some people think. If that were the case, no one on this earth would be able to be a Christian, including myself, even though I'm pretty saintly. Right? <laughs> Although I am a devoted follower of Jesus, I am still battling the sin nature that is inside of me. I'm still tempted to fulfill my lustly, fleshly desires that are contrary to what God has for me and in my life. Uh, there are times that I still struggle with fear and doubt and greed and lust and anger, and the list could go on and on and on, and I bet my wife could be more specific about me as well. <laughs> Anyone that claims to no longer struggle with sin after they come to know Jesus is either lying or they're a robot with a great costume on because they're not telling the truth. Paul is giving us a view into his life and his own personal struggle with sin and the flesh. You ever felt like Paul before? He's like, I don't even understand why I'm doing some of the things that I'm doing. I know I shouldn't be doing them. I know I don't want to do them, but despite all of these things, I still do these things. I know I feel this way sometimes in my own life. Why am I flirting with this coworker when I'm married? Why do I keep getting on these websites? I'm not talking about myself. <laughs> I really don't even have coworkers right now. It's my wife, so. <laughs> why, do I, <laughs> why do I keep on getting on these websites when I know what I'm looking at is destroying my mind? Why can't I forgive the person that hurt me even though it was forever ago? I know I shouldn't be doing these things, but I keep doing them anyway. The message translation says, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then act another, doing things I absolutely despise. Just so you know, this is not Paul talking about himself before his conversion to Christ. This is saved, redeemed Paul talking here about his struggle with sin. You see, church, if we are in a relationship with Jesus and being sanctified through the Spirit of God. When we sin, it might feel good for the moment, but then we realize that our sin hurts the heart of the Father. Yeah. It breaks God's heart, and that is why we despise it. Yeah. Look at what verse 17 says in the ESV. Paul says, It is no longer I who do these things, but it is sin that dwells 
inside of me. At first glance, it might look like Paul isn't taking personal responsibility for his actions, right? He's like, it's not me. It's sin inside of me that's making me do these things. I have nothing to do with this, right? At first glance, it might look like, is Paul not taking personal responsibility for his actions and his decisions? Uh, Paul here is not escaping responsibility. But as a redeemed Jesus follower with a new nature, everybody say new nature, with a new nature, he is no longer identifying with that old sinful nature. There is, this is a problem that many people in the body of Christ suffer with. They identify with their sin instead of identifying with their Savior. They identify with their sin instead of identifying with their Savior. Identifying with your sin creates condemnation because all sin creates death. All sin results in death. Romans 8, 6 says, The mind set on the flesh is death. Here's how this mindset can be played out. If someone is saved, but, you know, things happen and they end up cheating on their spouse for the rest of their lives, even though they've repented, even though they've asked for forgiveness, they carry the identity of an adulterer and a cheater into every relationship, into every season of their lives, into everything that they do. They carry this identity with them. Every time something bad happens to them, they think it's because I did that one sin that God is allowing these bad things to happen in my life. They constantly carry shame and guilt with them. No longer, no, no matter how long it's been uh, since they've done this, no matter how many times they've repented, no matter how many times they've said sorry, no matter how many times they've asked for forgiveness, they carry it because they're identifying with the sin and not their Savior. Let me be clear here though. We have consequences for our actions. So our actions may cause our spouse to leave us, right? It will certainly cause people to distrust you. It, it, it will, it might, these actions might cause your family to be torn apart. And, and, and the person who commits adultery has to and should face all of these things, but they don't have to identify themselves with that sin and carry it with them the rest of their lives. They can repent to God and ask for forgiveness from both God and the people they hurt and receive restoration. Right? Even if the person you hurt never forgives you, you can receive restoration from God. The Bible says that God removes our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. Amen. And so Paul here makes a distinction. He's like, it's not me doing this stuff that I don't want to do. It's the sin that's inside of me that's doing it. He is not identifying with his old sinful nature any longer. How can he say this? How can he make this statement? Well, that takes us back to Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying that even though he still sins, he is not condemned by those sins because he is in Christ Jesus. His identity is no longer in what he does or does not do, but it is now found in what Christ has done for him. And to be in Christ, that term to be in Christ means that if it happened to Jesus, it happened to us. 
To be in Christ means that if it happened to Jesus, it happened to us. Romans chapter 6. Just as he died, you and I have died to our sins. Just as he was resurrected, you and I have resurrected with him with a new nature. Just as Jesus fulfilled the law, in him you and I have fulfilled the law. Just as Jesus overcame sin and death, in him you and I have overcame sin and death. Does that excite you, church? Does that Because it excites me. If I am in Christ, what happened to Jesus happened to me. When Jesus overcame and I'm in him, that means I have overcome. The word condemnation in our English Bibles is a Greek word that means to give judgment against, to judge worthy of punishment, punishable by death. In order to fully understand the power of this verse, we must understand what it means to be condemned. To be condemned means that the wrath of God would be fully poured out on us because of our sinfulness. To be condemned means to be eternally separated from God with no chance to ever be in His presence ever again. Forever and ever and ever. That's what it means to be condemned. And, and this means that if we are in Christ, we are no longer guilty and condemned because of our sins. If we are in Christ, sin is done away with and we cannot be condemned for past, present, or future sins. The key word here is if we are in Christ, meaning we are in an ongoing, up-to-date, current relationship with Him. It doesn't mean we say a prayer uh, uh, one day after church at the altar and we're all good to do whatever we want to do. It's for those of us who are in Christ, we are no longer able to be condemned for our sins because Jesus was condemned for our sins. And we now seek forgiveness for sins, not because of fear of punishment, but because sin hurts the heart of God and brings separation in our relationship with Him. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 in the Amplified Version says this, He made Christ, talking about God the Father, made Christ who knew no sin to judicially be sin on our behalf, or legally be sin on our behalf, so that in Him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to Him and placed in a right relationship with Him by His gracious loving kindness. That is an amazing verse. That is an incredible verse. God the Father made Jesus become sin on the cross in order to legally acquit us from the punishment of spiritual death and eternal separation from Him that sin brings. Glory, hallelujah, uh, can I say, I mean, I, I could just say all the churchy words that I could possibly come up with because of that right there. Well, let's get back to Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. 
For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So what I want to do is, for the next few minutes, I want to talk to us about what it means to be in Christ. Okay? Number one, when you are in Christ, there is no condemnation in your life. When you are in Christ, there is no condemnation in your life. When I read the words, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, that makes my heart leap for joy. Okay? Because I know I deserve to be punished for the things that I have done in my life. And I know you deserve to be punished for the things you have done in your life as well. Just for the way I tortured my little sister growing up, I deserve to be punished, right? I've mistreated people terribly in my life. I've lied and then lied to cover up lies in my life. I've stolen, right? I had a whole, I had a huge baseball card collection because of that sin right there, okay? <laughs> Just being real. <laughs> I've done so many regrettable things in my life that when I read a verse like this, I can't help but become emotional. When I read a passage of Scripture like this, that if I am in Christ, I, I'm no longer guilty. I, I'm no longer held accountable. I'm no longer condemned because of Jesus. This makes me emotional because I know what I've done in my life. I know what I deserve for the things that I've done in my life. I know the impure motives that I have. I know the selfishness that I have. I know the struggles that I have. I had and currently have. And to know that Jesus sets me free and he was condemned for what I did, my goodness, that makes me emotional. The second thing about being in Christ, when you are in Christ, you are part of a superior covenant. Covenant means agreement. When you are in Christ, you are part of a superior covenant. In the old covenant, your right standing with God was determined by how well you kept the law of Moses. Right? There was a constant state of condemnation that you were in because no one could keep the law perfectly. And that was the requirement that Paul is talking about in this passage. In the Old Covenant, when you sin, you had to go through a pretty complicated system of atonement for that sin. But in the New Covenant, Jesus met the righteous requirement of the law. And when we unite with Him via relationship, we also meet the righteous requirement of the law. God's law is no longer written on stone tablets, but by the Spirit, His law is written inside of our hearts. Amen. What is this law that you ask? It's the law that God gave Moses for the nation of Israel that is found. I don't know how many of you have ever read the books of Exodus or Leviticus, but it's all throughout that, all that stuff. And there were about 613 commandments that made up this law. And according to Jesus in the New Testament, he summed up all 613 commandments into two commandments. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, and strength. And the next one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. 
And if you do these things, you'll fulfill the entire law. And the Holy Spirit empowers you and I that are in Christ to fulfill this law. Paul tells us here that the law or the old covenant was powerless to remove the condemnation that was a byproduct of our disobedience to it. It was powerless to make us obey it. All it did was reveal our sinfulness to us. So what was God's solution? Paul tells us, For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. We can walk free from condemnation because Jesus was offered in our place as an offering for our disobedience. That is mind-blowing. Sometimes we hear it so much, we don't understand the significance of that. But that is mind-blowing, guys. We can be free from punishment because Jesus was punished in place of us. We are guilt-free, not because of anything good inside of us, but because Jesus was declared guilty on the cross by His Father. That's why He said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because He was declared guilty so that you and I, who are in Him, do not have to be declared guilty. And number three, when you are in Christ, sin no longer has power over you. When you are in Christ, sin no longer has power over you. Jesus condemned sin in the flesh through his death, burial, and resurrection. If you are in Christ, sin and the flesh are no longer the controlling principles of your life. The Spirit is, right? We don't have to be controlled by sin, influenced by sin, or seduced by sin because it has no power over those of us who are in Christ. Jesus eliminated the power sin has over us, yet we keep picking it back up and playing with it like it's a kid's toy. If Jesus has eliminated the power of sin for the believer, and it's no longer the controlling principle in our lives, then why do we all struggle so much with sinfulness? Why do we all struggle? Why why do we all struggle with walking in the victory that, that Jesus paid for, that, that Jesus has given to us. I have three reasons as to why this is the case. Number one, some can't grasp the grace of God. Some can't grasp or fathom the grace of God. All right? President Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation on January 1st of 1863, declaring that all slaves were free. I don't know how many of you know this, but In Texas, slavery did not actually end until June 19, 1865. Two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation, Union soldiers led by Major General Gordon Granger landed at Galveston, Texas with news that the war had ended and the enslaved were now free. News spread a lot slower back then. We didn't have the internet. Right? We didn't have where news could be spread simultaneously all over the world. And so all of these people in Texas, although they were free legally, 
They didn't know they were free for two and a half years. So they were living as slaves all of this time because they didn't know they were free. Some believers struggle with sin simply because they don't know they're free. They don't know that Christ has set them free. They don't know that Jesus was condemned so that they didn't have to be condemned. They didn't know Jesus was declared guilty on the cross. Therefore, we are no longer guilty if we are in Christ. Christ purchased their freedom. However, they are still living as if they are enslaved to sin. These people can't seem to grasp how someone would offer themselves in place of them to take their punishment. Have you ever met someone that felt unworthy to accept anything good in their life? You ever met someone like that? Maybe that's you. For some reason, they feel like they don't deserve to have a good, loyal friend. They don't deserve to have good things. They feel like you know, if they're at work and their boss praises them for something, that they're, they're doing great or give, wants to give them a promotion, deep down inside they feel like, I don't, I don't deserve this. You ever met someone like that that feels that way? This is how some people feel about the grace of God. They feel like it's too good to be true. And the truth is, it is. But who cares? He wants to give it to us and He wants to pour it on us, so let's receive it. Yeah. Amen? Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 21 again, but I want to read it in the Passion Translation. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with Him. Wow. Talk about a divine exchange right here. All of our sins, past, present, and future were left on that cross and we were given the righteousness of God. For some of you, that's hard, that's hard to fathom. That's hard to grasp. That's hard to believe. He bore our sins so that we could bear his righteousness. That means when God sees those of us who are in Christ, he sees us as righteous as his son Jesus is. When God the Father, when you are in Christ, when you have put your faith in Him, when you are in relationship with Him, when God the Father sees you, He doesn't see your sinfulness. He sees you as just as righteous as His Son, Jesus, is. I am so grateful for that. What that means is the moment we put our faith in Christ, our sins are no longer counted against us. As we stay in Christ, we continue to walk in that righteousness as we repent when we fall and ask for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. It feels unfair that the wrath of God was placed on Christ instead of us. And some people just can't grasp that truth. And until they do, they will continue on a works-based religion trying to earn God's favor. The second reason that believers continue to fall into sin is some are too prideful to believe the grace of God. Some can't grasp or fathom the grace of God. Some are too prideful to believe the grace of God. They feel like they have to earn it somehow. They're like, free? Huh? Nothing in life is free. I, I, I need to do something. I, I need to do something. I can't just take this for free. This mentality on the outside seems humble. 
but it's actually rooted in pride. It's rooted in self-assurance, self-confidence, and self-righteousness. In some people's eyes, when something is free, it cheapens its value. I remember a few years ago, we were doing an outreach. Uh, it was when our church was in the Upper West Side, and we were doing an outreach, and we set up a table outside, and we, were, uh, we had like this glass, or not glass, this see-through jar thing, and we put a bunch of like, um, we put a bunch of uh, balls in the jar, and we were telling people, if you can guess the exact amount of balls in this jar, you can win a free $25 gift card. And so we were just snatching people off the side, you know, that were walking past us on the sidewalk, and a ton of people played. But there was this one particular gentleman that I went up to, and I said, hey, do you want a chance to win a $25 gift card? And he stopped, and he looked me in the eye, and he said, I am wealthy. Why would I want to play a game like that? And then just walked off. Just walked off. So many people are ensnared with sin in their lives because they're trying to earn righteousness through their own strength and are utterly failing. Why would I want something that I didn't have to work for? Why, why would I want something that I wasn't able to accomplish in my own strength, in my own intellect, in my own abilities? If it's free, it must not be that good. And the third thing, and if I could have the worship team come up, the third reason believers still struggle with sin, even though sin has no power over them anymore, is that we are all in the process of sanctification. All of us are in the process of sanctification. In the new covenant, we are no longer trying to just follow a written code of conduct. We are now led by the Spirit of God who Jesus says leads us and guides us into all truth. And as we read the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of the New Testament, the Spirit living inside of us will convict us the Holy Spirit will challenge us and the Holy Spirit will illuminate the scripture in order to bring change in our lives. And, and this word sanctification, it's a big word, but it simply means the supernatural work of the Spirit making us more like Christ, bringing us into Christ-likeness. It's a supernatural work inside of our hearts. When we get saved, we're not perfected. That won't happen in this life. Therefore, we fall sometimes. Therefore, we struggle sometimes. And, and on top of that, there's a devil. And he attacks us. And, and he messes with our mind. And he tempts us. We mess up sometimes. We fall sometimes. We sin. We fall back into past habits sometimes. We create new unhealthy habits sometimes. But the Holy Spirit, as we yield to the Holy Spirit in our lives, He will convict us and bring us back into closeness with the Father as we repent and turn away from those things. We have to all remember that each of us are on a journey of faith. And, and none of us are on the same level in our journey. Some of us are further along than others. Some of us have just started the journey or some of us have been running into, in circles so we're not as far, we're not as mature. 
And we've got to understand that we're all on a journey. We're all walking this life, yielding to the Spirit, and, and part of this sanctification where the Holy Spirit is revealing things in our heart that we need to work on, revealing things in the Scripture that convicts us. The Holy Spirit is stretching us and challenging us. Let's not expect a baby Christian to behave like a mature Christian. Let's have grace for one another as we're walking this path, as we're walking this journey. Let's re leave room for the Holy Spirit to work in the lives of people. When we bring correction to one another, and the New Testament is clear that we should, let's do it with restoration in mind. Let's do it with love in mind. Let's do it with the best intention for our brother and sister in mind. Amen. Let's have grace for one another. Let's walk this walk with one another, understanding that we're all on a journey. We're all... We're all trying to grasp truths in the Word. We're all trying to get closer and closer to Jesus. Let's do it together. Amen? Amen. Let's do this thing together. But let's remember, if we are in Christ, we don't have to walk in condemnation anymore. We don't have to identify with our struggle. We don't have to identify with our sin. That's not a license to do it. That's a reason to not do it. Because Jesus has set us free from that. And, and He's removed the power of that. Sin, our flesh, those temptations, those things. They're not the controlling principles of our lives anymore. The Holy Spirit is. And as we yield to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will, will, will make us more like Jesus. He'll, he'll bear that fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray.